Let's do a little bit of review as as you guys are getting the uh, the handouts. First, uh, the the title I kind of we kind of went with this year, building and maintaining godly relationships. The idea being that um, this is the number one thing that people seem to ask questions about, have problems with in college, and so why don't we deal with this and see what God has to say about this? A um, couple questions as we start things out today. By the way, it's uh, we can't really see that very well, but it's called starting points. A um, couple questions. This is not a question. Some people are better at starting friendships than others. So, here's the question. Here's the question. Why do you think some people can make friends with a brick wall and others struggle? <laughs> Probably because they don't insult them as often. Okay, so there's a lack. Sorry. You know what I mean is, some people, you, they can make friends with anybody. I mean, it's just, they don't know a stranger, and other people struggle. Why do you think that is? Okay, a lot of it's personality, right? Some people are just outgoing. They're uh, bright and bubbly. You're more welcome. Friendly. To get them out of their shell. Okay. Um, anything else? Um, confidence. So if you are insecure, um, it might create a hindrance towards developing friendships. Because uh, why, why might insecurity and lack of confidence lead towards trouble in developing relationships? Yeah, well, you're not open. You, have, you build a wall. You build um, a boundary in front of yourself. You don't allow people in. If you don't allow people in, they don't ever get to know you. And, and I think, I think um, openness is a big reason why people become friends. They're just, like, some people are just open. They're more open. They're more relatable. Um, do you think you can get better at developing relationships? Yes. I hope so. Right? It's, this is a little bit of hope for you people because there's some of y'all who are like, I don't, I have too many friends. Like, you know, I have too many friends. I have too many people who I keep up with. I'm way too popular. So <laughs> some people say that. Other people are like, you know, they struggle with loneliness where uh, getting out and meeting somebody seems like an insurmountable task. But the truth is, is that you can get better. Some of it's practical, and some of it, it might be spiritual issues as well. Okay? Not all of it's personality. Because if it's just personality, you know, you can only change your personality so much. Right? I mean, God made you who you are. You, you know, some of you are more bubbly than others. Some of you are more uh, reserved than others. But that doesn't mean that you are a bad friend. So what makes a good friend? Consistency. Okay. Reliability, consistency, sure. What else? Trust. It, you mean trustworthy? Somebody you can talk to and you're, you know they're not going to turn around and like tell somebody else what you just said. Or they're not going to use it against you, stab you in the back. Betrayal. They're encouraging. That's a really good one. You read that friend that you maybe were a friend with them for a while, but every time you got around them, you just left and you were just depressed. You were like, oh. But then there's some people you leave and you're so energized. You're like, I can, I can do anything. I can conquer the world. This person is on my side. You know people, you know people like this? That's good. Encouraging. Any, any other traits you guys want to throw out? I come to this side of the room over here. 
I know there are tons. Any more you want to mention? Friendly, so kind, yeah, friendly, kind, thoughtful. Yeah, they're in personally invested. Gives you chocolate, okay. Yes. What's this? What was it? Morals, okay. Common ground. Maybe that's for common ground. Common ground. That's good. Well, so Have you, say authentic and genuine. Genuine, not fake. Yeah. Um, what makes a bad friend? The opposite. <laughs> <laughs> mean? Is that what you say? Did you say co- competitive? Oh, like yeah. <laughs> With everything, like no matter how bad your day is, there's head. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I have one like that. Like a top, like the like the person who's a topper. Like everything you say, they're like they're like one up, the one up. Yeah. Like, you could be in a car wreck and they've lost their car. <laughs> like, or one time they lost their car. You know. Oh yeah. Self-centered. Um. Clueless. Some just cool. Oblivious. Oblivious People that takers. Takers. Um. You mean like unaware, like no self-awareness? Maybe. Yeah, completely lacking self-awareness, lacking self, lacking a, a, a accurate view of yourself. Um. Yeah, we did. It was like when the first self-centered, selfish is a big one. So, um, if you want to just jot in your notes, uh, Galatians chapter 5, because what you'll find, if you go, we're not, I didn't look at this in the notes, but if you have your Bible, you can turn to Galatians 5, um, and Paul writes out the fruit of the Spirit. Does anybody have those memorized? Do you know what those are? 522, the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Would you like a friend with all those things? I mean, if you go through that list, we just talked about, we almost named the fruit of the Spirit. We did. We were like, we want somebody who's, who loves you, basically, who thinks about you, who's invested in the relationship. We want someone who's patient. We talked about somebody being faithful, being, uh, that was one of the first things that popped up, being faithful. I don't know what word y'all use, consistent or reliable. Faithfulness, the same thing. Um, Self-control. You don't. You want somebody who's not like completely off the wall, and you know you have to bail out of jail every other week um, because they can't control themselves. That's a problem. That, that creates resentment in, in the long run. But the fruit of the, so the fruit of the spirit is what I'm saying. That what what, I, what point I'm making is that God's word has a lot to say about the biblical, you know, the biblical principles are what underlies a good friendship. What what helps you with your relationship? A biblical godly principles. If you follow God's way of doing things, you'll find yourself becoming a better friend. You can actually develop and get better at developing relationships as you follow God's word. It may not seem like that connects in your mind, but I want to make that connection tonight. Because, yeah. Meekness, yeah. It means humility or... Meekness actually has a little more, a little different nuance. It has the idea of power under control. So meekness is not um, weakness. It's 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 incredibly powerful, but in, but but um, it's like a very the picture is a very strong man with a little baby. 
Okay, he's very powerful, but he's under control and he's handling very carefully something that is soft and um, vulnerable. Yeah. I heard the illustration that someone who is a picture of meekness is being able to lift the piano and set it down gently rather than drop it down. Like if you're lifting something heavy, someone who has meekness is a picture of gently letting it down instead of yeah, that's strength to be gentle. Strength under control is I like to use that. What were you asking? Uh, Maddie? It was just one of the fruit of the spirit, I think, was the... I was asking what forbearance is. Forbearance is, uh, yeah. It's probably the self-control or patience. I have self-control as well. Mm -hmm. But I think it's replaced with patience. Patience, yeah. Long-suffering. Patience. Um, It means you you, you deal with something for a long time. It's good to have a patient friend, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I'm surprised nobody mentioned that. Patience is a virtue. Um... So where I wanted to, um, what I wanted to point out here from the, from the introduction is that by walking with God and by being obedient to God, you actually are making yourself a better friend. You're making your relationships better. The relationships with God and your relationships with people are, talk, are tied together. So our first starting point is walking with God. This is our number one place where we start if you're going to have a develop, develop on building relationships. So uh, the title for the, the, the year is Building and Maintaining Relationships. So we're going to start with building. How do you build relationships? Well, you've got to actually start with your walk with God if you're going to build a solid relationship. So a couple questions here. Um, how are your relationships with God and your relationships with others connected? Um, what do you think? How are they connected? Well, if a good friend is one with the fruit of the Spirit, mm-hmm. or fruit of the Spirit, I don't know. Yeah, fruit, yeah. Um then the closer you are God, the more like like the better fruit of the spirit. Right. So the closer, as you as you follow Christ and as you develop more fruit of the spirit, your life should be a better should be more consistent with what is what is a better friend, right? Yeah. I'm thinking a lot of my really good friends and people that I really want to surround myself with are people who have a strong faith and relationship with God. Yeah. Now, I don't want to say... Now, the interesting thing is there are people who, who aren't Christians who are good friends, mm-hmm. but what they're showing... Yeah, no, but what they're doing is is they're actually demonstrating good behavior or good things that are, that are biblical principles. And as Christians, we find reasons behind those principles in following Christ. And you can be consistent in those. It's not just, well, because I feel like it or because I want to be or because it's the right thing to do. Well, what does that mean? I mean, no, it's because of our relationship with Jesus. We can actually do these things with God's enabled grace. There's a whole lot there that we're not going to be able to cover right now. But the idea is also the Bible talks about this. Uh, or here's my proposition for you guys today. To build a good relationship with someone, both of you must be individually living at peace with God. You must be living at peace with God. If one of you is pursuing their own desires and rebelling against God, it will cause stress on a relationship. So how I wonder if this is going to ever work for me. It doesn't look like it will. Um, let's see if... Nope. Um, oh, well. I we do. I mean, this is just terrible. I was really hoping that, the, uh, that it would work because I like... Uh, I like being able to draw on this, but oh well. The idea is that, think of it like a bridge, and a bridge can only handle so much strain or stress. Your life can only handle so much stress. And relationships, if you pile relationships on, relationships can actually cause either stress or they can support you. 
they can act as a support. And if you have your own desires, your own uh, rebellion, if you're rebelling against God, what kind of things do people do when they rebel against God? Well, they might abuse alcohol, abuse drugs. They might um, get in a major financial trouble where they're spending money they don't have. Think about all the things people do when they rebel against God, how they act out. They might start uh, cursing people, cursing at people they don't like. Maybe that's you. You know what I'm saying? They lose their temper. That's a bad friend. So as, you, um, as your relationship with God deteriorates, you, you will become a bad friend to the people around you. And so sometimes we say, my friendships are in trouble. My relationships are in trouble. And what you don't realize is that really the main relationship that's causing your other relationships to be in trouble is your vertical relationship and your horizontal relationships come out of that. So the vertical relationship must be right for the horizontal relationships to work as they should. That's Your relationship with God must be right for your relationships with others to work as they should. So if you're living in obedience to God, you'll find your relationships with other people as they should be. That's a general rule of thumb. Not always. I mean, sometimes you can't control everything. But um, So let's, let's deal with this. Let's look at the biblical backup for this. Um, number one, interpersonal relationships rise and fall on your relationship with God. You have, does anybody have the Bible uh, right in front of them? It should say 1 John 1, 6 through 7. I have that written out, but if you don't, um, want to read off that, you can read off your Bible. If you want to turn there, that'd be good too. 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Can somebody read that for us? I have it here. Is it six and seven? Yeah, it's on the screen if you want. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay, so if we say we have fellowship with God, and yet we walk in darkness, or we live in darkness, we're lying. So it's impossible to say you have fellowship with God, and at the same time be constantly sinning against God. Okay, so I have a question there. What is, how would you define fellowship? What is Fellowship. The Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> being one, okay. Yeah, that's. I'll take that. It's not bad. Walking with someone, yeah. Whichever side they are on, and in God's case, it's on the light. Yep. Okay. Having a right, yeah. I, I I thought very simply. I just wrote down um, a, a open or good relationship. I mean, just simple. I'm, I think simply about you know fellowship. If you say you have fellowship with God, that means I have an open and good relationship with God. Like there's nothing I'm hiding from God. There's nothing God has told me to change that I'm not that I'm refusing to change. I'm not rebelling against God. I'm submissive to Him. He is my Lord. I am His creation. You know, you 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 have an open and good relationship. And if I have fellowship with you, we have an open and good relationship. Like if if I walk in to here on I come here every Tuesday afternoon and hang out, work on stuff and and I'm sitting there and I see people come by and I see some people who I haven't seen in a while maybe they've been to Bible study and sometimes they feel really guilty because they haven't been in a long time <laughs> and I know that because I see them and I know that they've seen me and they're like pretending like they haven't seen me and I'm not paranoid I promise and I'm not mad I, I understand I've been in their shoes before where you've seen somebody like oh, I don't want to see that person right now and you're trying to like. 
But that's not fellowship because there's something, there's an embarrassment, there's an awkwardness or something. That's not good. But when I see somebody and they see me and we're like, hey, how's it going? And they stop and we chat and we hang out for a few minutes and we talk and there's, no, there's nothing obstructing that. It's open and good relationship. That's fellowship. Okay, we're good? So you should have that with God. And if you have that with God, no, you should have it with other people. What's the primary relationship with God? With God. It says, um, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. So if we're living, walking, the Bible uses the word walk to describe our life. It's like if the road is your life and if walking is living, so you're walking down the path. Okay. Um, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So there's two things. Well, we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin. So we see spiritual relationship with God is good. Relationship with each other is also good. Um, second question here, uh, how do you have peace with God? Who wants to read Romans 5.1? Probably should have put this one first. How do you have peace with God? Albert? Therefore, being justified by faith, faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so what does that say about how to have peace with God? Okay, being justified by faith. Justified is not a word you use very often. I think there was a TV show called Justified at one point or something, but it's not something you use every day. It means being declared righteous. So God looks at you. Yeah, he looks at you, and you're a sinner. You have all the sin that you've committed. You've rebelled against God. You're an enemy of God. But guess what? Because Jesus took your place on the cross. He died for you. And by faith, you can trust in him, and you can actually be declared righteous and have peace with God. So when you stand before God, God doesn't look at you and see you and your sin. He looks at you and sees Christ and his his perfection. You don't have to worry about guilt anymore. You don't have to worry about uh, sin or anything. It's been forgiven because Jesus was perfect. And you have peace with God through Jesus. So if you've, uh, I think I might even have it here. You can have peace with God if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and have been forgiven of all your sins. This, again, is our first step. The Bible calls this justification. This is, again, our first starting point. You've got to um, get to this point. So, This is our first conflict we have. All of us have had this conflict. God with us. You get angry at God. You get mad at God. God has has seen you as a sinner. How do you solve that conflict? Through Jesus Christ. So what happens when you sin against God? Let's go back to 1 John. If you're there, if you're still there, great. What happens if you have peace with God? You want to have fellowship with God. What happens if you sinned against God? What does verses 8 through 10 of 1 John tell us about what you do when you uh, have conflict with God? How do you solve that conflict? Who wants to read? Do I have those verses up here? I do. Who wants to try that? If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Okay, so he he repeats himself to make sure you get the point. There is no use in pretending like you never sinned because the Bible makes it clear that you will. In fact, if you say you're not sinning, it says that you're a liar. So we all are going to have conflict with God, and we're all going to have problems, times when our relationship with God is afraid or broken. 
or, or uh, there's something blocking it. What are we supposed to do at that point? Confess. The word confess means to say the same thing. Um, confess our sin because God promises he will forgive us and cleanse us if we confess. The word confess literally means to say the same thing. So, Chelsea, if I were to come to you and if I were to lie to you, let's say you ask me, um, you know, uh, oh, I don't know. I, I just, I'll say I lie. Um, Marshall, did you uh, remember to bring? No. Yes, I remember. No, and I didn't. Okay. And then I feel bad about it, so I need to ask your forgiveness. So I go to confess to you, and I say, Chelsea, I, I told a fib. Now, fib is a nice word for a lie. Or maybe you might say, I stretched the truth. Or I made a mistake. That's not really confessing. Confessing is when I come to you and I say, Chelsea, I lied. I say it exactly what it is. I, I say the same thing that God says about what I did. I'm not making excuses. I'm not saying, uh, I'm not calling it something different. People do this all the time, don't we? Somebody has an affair. No, they committed adultery. <laughs> but they had, they had an affair. It sounds so much nicer, you know. Um, people, I don't know. There's all sorts of ways people, people do it. But the thing is, is with God, you, you admit your sin, you confess your sin by confessing, you, you say the exact same thing that God says it is. Um, you're not making excuses. You're, I think I have their confess, confession and forgiveness. Might be two blanks. Confession and forgiveness. You're asking for confession and receiving forgiveness. Establishing a pattern of confession and forgiveness. Might even have this. Oh, here we go. There's no use pretending like you never sin because the Bible makes it clear we all sin. Down here, establishing the pattern of confession and forgiveness where you are the one confessing and God is the one forgiving will help you once you are the one being confessed to. Because think about it. If you are humble enough to admit you're wrong and humble enough to come to God and say, God, I, I messed up, I sinned, I lied, I stole, I cheated, whatever, then you're actually able to receive God's forgiveness. And this is key. Forgiven people forgive. So this is, I think there's a spot for you to write that down. Forgiven people forgive. No, it's, it's not. It's already filled in? Great. Awesome. I wanted you to get this. <laughs> because the key is this. People who have, uh, this is, again, your relationship between God, between you and God spills out in how you treat other people. Once you come to grips with the fact that I am a forgiven person, that God saw my sin and he still chose to forgive me when I asked him. When someone comes to you and asks for forgiveness for something they've done wrong against you, that should impact the way you forgive them. You should recognize I'm a forgiven person. Jesus even tells stories about this with the two men with the, uh, with the debt. We're not going to get into that tonight because we don't have enough time. But forgiven people forgive. All right, another, another starting point. So interpersonal relationships rise and fall on your relationship to God, and they also rise and fall on your relationship with the world, with this world. Um, turn to Romans 12. This is where we're going to spend, actually, Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to spend a lot of our time this semester. We're going to go there. We're going to go to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, several other places. But um, your relationship with God and your relationship with this world directly impact how, you, how your relationships with other people um, work out. There's actually a verse, uh, here's the verse right here, the two verses that I want us to talk about. Um, did I have James 4 in there? I don't. 
Uh, I'm going to read a verse to you real quick from James 4. I forgot to include it in the PowerPoint. Uh, if you want to write it in your thing, it's James 4, 4. Uh, he says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The, yeah, James 4, 4 says, You adulteresses. And the reason he says adulteresses is by... They were not literally being uh, uh, adulteresses, but he's saying that they're acting like a woman who is committing uh, adultery from her husband by flirting with the world. They should be faithful to God. It's a, it's a, it's a language thing the Bible uses often, talking about our relationship with God as one of marriage almost, where we are committed to him and faithful. And when we veer off and flirt with other things, it's almost like we're committing adultery. So you adulteresses, um, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You have to be careful. The world's way of thinking will twist you and make you make your relationships harder. So look at these verses here. I'm going to read this out. Follow along. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is a spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the building blocks of spiritual growth. Okay, presenting your body to God as a, um, not just your soul, but as a sacrifice to God. So what does it look like? When you submit yourself, submit your body to God as a living and holy sacrifice, what would that look like to you? What would you submit to God? All of your sins. Like, if there's a particular sin you struggle with yeah. a lot daily, then you would definitely submit that. How about your desires? There you go. Yeah, something very basic. I'm, I'm thinking really basic here. I'm not getting too complicated. Yeah. Your desires. So, so, what does the world tell you about your desires? The world tells you if you want it, get it. If you want it, it's good. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> right. Why Why would you not, is what the world tells you. What the Bible tells you, what God tells you is, you can't trust your desires. Your desires are wicked, and they deceive you. Um, submit your desires to God. Uh, submit your um, feelings to God. Submit everything to the authority of Christ. Do you believe you have the right to be angry and bitter towards someone? Well, guess what? You don't. Christ has forgiven that person. Do you believe the other person exists? You can take care of them. Or, I'm sorry, so you can take from them. They don't. Um, the word conformed from this verse here. Not be conformed. It literally means pressed into a mold. It's the idea of, of being uh, pressed, pressured. Uh, do you guys ever do like uh, Jello Jigglers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're called, right? Jello jigglers, where you put them in the thing in the mold. Uh, what's what's the little things we used to do? Is, I used to do as kids. Uh, they had those the oven that you made little bugs out of. That you cooked. You know what I'm talking about? You had one. Night crawlers or something. What? Yeah, you take the little little. Um, yeah, oven, and you put it in the oven, and it cooks. But you put it, you press it into a mold, and the idea is that the world is t- trying to take you and press you into a mold. The philosophy of this world is taking you and telling you what's important, what's good, what you need to value. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word for transform in Greek is the word metamorphe, which means 
Amazing. It's where we get our word metamorphosis. It's a change in form, change in appearance. Morph, like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> or you were just on a roll with this child. I am. I 80s man. The 80s is like. <laughs> I got one of those um, Nintendo Classic consoles. I do that one. Oh, man. Did you get that for Nelson? No, I got it for me. <laughs> you definitely said you got it for Nelson last semester. Yeah. Oh, well, I wanted to get it for Nelson last he semester. <laughs> I definitely got it for me. Nelson, does, he does play a little bit. Unless you're honest about it. Um, oh, it's hilarious, though, yeah. But that's enough. Uh, are you not supposed <laughs> to do that? I'm not going to make you play How are you... How are you transformed? What does the Bible say you are transformed by? Look at this. Uh, transformed of this world would be transformed what? By the, by the renewing of your mind. So you may prove what is that good and acceptable person. Okay. By the renewing of your mind. It will take change and it will take time. You have to be changed and renewed. If you go by your instincts only, then you'll be frustrated with how things turn out for you. I... And I'm saying this because our world today tells us that, hey, just go by your instincts, go with the flow, uh, you know, you go get what you want out of life, you know, use people to get where you need to go, and I don't know, depends on who you listen to, really, but you will be frustrated in your relationships if that's how you approach life. You will be very frustrated, because people will not be fulfilling as you think they should be especially romantic relationships, if you think that, like, every Disney movie ever tells you that once you find that person, all of a sudden the world makes sense and everything's perfect, and, and there's... And now, Jenna... Now, for me and Jenna, it is that way. <laughs> I'm be careful here. But, but the truth is, is that people are people, and you're going to have struggles with any kind of relationship, especially uh, romantic... Uh, You've got to be careful not to put all your uh, hope in a person. Um, you will be very frustrated. But if you are spiritually transformed, um, you will know what the moral will of the Lord is. You will have spiritual clarity as to what, as to uh, as you look at your options for action. So, have you ever been confused about to do next? You don't know what the right thing to do is. Well, this is what you need to be doing: conforming yourself to God. And he'll help you um, know what to do next. What are some bad ideas the world tells us that if we believe them, we'll end up? sinking our relationships what are some bad ideas i've mentioned a few already but what can you think of a couple or three bad ideas the world tells us you ought to be doing that will end up sinking a relationship not just a romantic but even a friendship expecting them to have all the things you're missing yeah expecting there to be this one perfect soulmate that you must find and once you find that person they fill in all the gaps of your life and now God does work amazingly if you're following God and if you're, if you're uh, serving him and he brings along that person. It is amazing how you are compatible, how God gives that person abilities and things that you don't have and vice versa. But you better not trust that that person is going to make your life perfect. Anything else? Christine? Yeah. It's not about Yeah, it's all about it's all self-centered like uh are, do you meet my needs? Are you are you my type? That's not I think my type. That's not a marriage. Uh Yeah. Jenna? 
<laughs> okay, let's go on to the next point. <laughs> no, but I was just going to say, I, I, I think um, the times, and I've, I've shared this with a lot of people, I've just never shared it in front of you, actually. Oh, so no. I'm sorry if it's too transparent, but there are times when we've had <clears throat> conflict in the past. No. And in the past. I know that you can say the exact same thing many more times than I can, but there are times when your emotions don't want to move on and you don't want to forgive and you almost feel like, you know, <clears throat> everything, all of your instinct is saying, no, hold out on this person. But there are times when you're, as a Christian, your motivation for um, asking forgiveness or for forgiving are solely based on the fact that, you know what, I love God and I know that this is what I need to do and so I'm going to do it. And afterwards, it's amazing right. how the Lord blesses. But um, I say that to say that that I, I don't know how not it would be very difficult to not be a Christian and be in conflict because all you want to do is follow your emotions and dig in and win. Yeah, that's the other thing is you've got to win the argument. You've got to win the argument. The main scoring points. It's like when the husband, you know, can bam, drop the mic, walk out of the room, victorious. Okay, it's not about winning an argument. Uh, unless we get too bogged down here, uh, I want to just touch on this next one because I think this is really key, and then we're not going to be able to get to number three. Starting point number two is knowing yourself. And we kind of talked about this a minute ago, or somebody referenced this, Romans 12, 3. So if we're still in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it's interesting, the very next thing, very next verse says this. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound or good judgment, or to think soberly, as God has allotted to each the measure of faith. This is a warning to us not to think that we're better than we are. There's a quote here from a story I found um, a PhD, uh, David Dunning, was uh, from Cornell. Listen to this. We've all seen it. The employee who's convinced she's doing a great job and gets a mediocre performance appraisal, or the student who's sure he's AC exam and winds up with a D. The tendency that people have to overrate their abilities fascinates Cornell University social psychologist David Dunning, PhD. He says this, people, quote, people overestimate themselves, but more than that, they really seem to believe it. I've been trying to figure out where the certainty of belief comes from. Dunning is doing that through a series of manipulated studies, mostly with students at Cornell. Boy, that, wouldn't that be interesting? Cornell, you know, it's a big, big school. He's finding that at the least competent performers, get that? The least competent performers inflate their abilities the most. And the reason for the overinflation seems to be ignorance, not arrogance. I just don't have a clue. And that chronic self-beliefs, however inaccurate, underlie both people's over- and under-estimations of how well they're doing. People do not know. They have not thought about their strengths and weaknesses. They, don't, they, they think they don't have good judgment about themselves. So they put themselves in bad situations. So what are some ways that people... Um, oh, I, I didn't have the questions lined up. Let me just ask you this as we close out. What are some ways that people do this? That they, they don't think of themselves. They don't consider their own weaknesses and their own uh, the timing. I'm thinking about your friends who are 17, 18 years old and getting engaged. It's like you need to think, like, do you want to go to school? If not, or if so, 
How's that going to work out? Most people don't think about that stuff. Um, are, you, are you mature enough to handle a serious relationship at age 14? No. Then why are you getting in a serious relationship at age 14? Are you going to wait for 10 years to marry the person? You know, people don't think rationally about their own, their own selves. Does that make sense? He, he warns us. He says, everyone had not to think more highly than you ought to think. So give me an example. What is a way, maybe even in your own life, you remember doing this. Um, where, you know, what is, what is the way people do this? Let me see exactly how it has written down. Uh, what are some ways that people don't think themselves with sound judgment? What do they miss about themselves? I'm just thinking, yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah. Someone, someone maybe even lovingly questions you. They're like, Amanda, there's, a, you really ought to be careful how you do this. And you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you wouldn't do that. I do that. I do that. I'm like, I, I get defensive. And rather than listening, I don't hear what they're saying. I'm thinking of my defense. We had a show come up to theater and there was a part that in my mind, I wasn't thinking correctly is I just thought and said to myself, well, there's nobody else in the theater who could do that. Mm. That is, I mean, if they've got to pick me. Yeah. It's got to, I mean, there, there's nobody, I mean, this guy's, you know, he get, and, and I built this up and then reality hit. Oh, I guess how would I, you, you didn't, you're, you're in this part, not in this part. Yeah. And it was like, well, I didn't even think about, you know, and when you, that happens, every, every thought is incorrect. Every thought, it is, you're looking at everybody so they don't have the potential and you're, you're thinking and you're thinking incorrectly because you uh, Pastor Fan talks about this you've got an incorrect view of God at that yeah. time and you're looking through what you think but then and it was it was like imagine the air just let out of not just your balloon but the, the, the tank that filled the balloon yeah. it was just like how could they have not pick yeah and it was so, it was humiliating yeah. you know, and it wasn't a public it was a, it wasn't it wasn't humiliating to anybody but yourself because, but yeah. lots of that, that's the way it was. We look at other people and say, they're not as good as I am. There's no way they can yep. do it. And truthfully, they do a lot better. <laughs> and even even with dating or, or marriage, uh, dating relationships as well, you might think, uh, you might come up with these delusions of grandeur in your mind where you think that you're so great. And all the girls, I, I've talked to guys. I have, I have talked to guys, like had serious conversations with guys who just are confounded as to why no girls would go out with them. And I'm like, Really? Like, you don't see it? Like, are you really blind? Like, I mean, come on, man. Like, really? Um, there's some things you can work on. And so I, I smile and nod. And I, sometimes, if I, it depends on how well I know him, I can break it to him gently. This one guy, I had to just tell him, I said, dude, you're just so selfish. <laughs> and he was like, what? It was completely, <laughs> completely baffled. I was like, yes, don't you see it? Go. <laughs> That's another story for another day. Um, but, uh, but you, but you're, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but, yeah. But this is, uh, this is a problem all of us have, where, where we, we have, we have missed, like being honest about ourselves. We, we, we create these pictures. We fantasize in our minds about how great we're going to be, and, and what we, how other people see us, and, and we don't realize. Look, um, and you know, oh, let me just say one thing. When we do that, what it does is it help, it, it keeps us from being thankful keeps us from being grateful because if, if we think we deserve better constantly 
I should be driving a better car. I should have a better house. I should have people. People should be looking up to me more. Why aren't people basically bowing down while I walk, down, walk through the hallways? Why didn't my teacher give me a better grade, et cetera, et cetera? It doesn't let you sit back and think, thank you, God, for the friends I have. Thank you for the people who endure me in my bad attitudes. You know? You're welcome. <laughs> Why? I can't we're a little bit over. Any, any questions or anything? Does that make sense? I hope you're getting the idea that, look, God makes it very clear that our relationship with him has got to be foremost because if we're having trouble out here, it comes back to our relationship with God. It's vertical, then horizontal. The, oh, the very end. Jonas, near end. Okay. Uh, the last thing was loving. Um, the key is loving others. Um, biblical love is a choice. And we'll get into this more when we talk about 1 Corinthians 13. Biblical love is a choice. It's not a feeling or emotion, okay? Uh, biblical love, it, God commands us to love things. And he does, you can't command an emotion. Emotion like fear, be afraid. God can't command, you can't command that. Um, you, something, it's a choice. It's a sacrificial in nature. It's a, a love that gives, not a love that takes. Um, so Jesus looked on the crowds with compassion and he, he gave. Right? God loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I mean, it's all throughout the Bible. You give with love. You give. Um, and biblical love is oop, based on a promise or a commitment. It's not something up for reconsideration. It's based on a promise. When, when love, when you decide to love your friend or love your spouse or whatever, you're making a promise. And it's not something you just kind of you fall out of. You fall out of emotions. You don't fall out of a commitment or a promise. All right, uh, we've gone over, but thanks so much for your participation today. I hope you're kind of getting it. Hopefully, we'll. Um, hopefully, I'm not being too confusing, but uh, we'll soon we'll get into the maintaining part of relationships. Right now, we're still kind of talking about building relationships, starting with the building blocks. And once we get to the maintaining, we'll talk a lot about conflict and forgiveness and bitterness and those kind of things that tend to throw snags into our relationships and uh, cause trouble. And we can work through exactly how to deal with those. All right. Close the prayer. Father, thank you for this day, and thank you so much for the direction your word gives us about how we can have good relationships with others. I pray that we would be um, willing to listen, willing to uh, examine our own hearts, and may we walk with you daily. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for coming. Um, grab a cupcake on your way out and some brownies, and stay as late as you want. Thanks.